The 80s were an era of musical excess, and photographer Mark Weissguy Weiss was there to document the biggest and most dangerous bands of the time. From Van Halen, Ozzy, Metallica, to Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, and Guns N' Roses, the Decade That Rock podcast will look back at the period's most historic music and moments through Mark's iconic images. New interviews with rock stars both old and new will give fans a backstage pass to the most hedonistic era in music. Along for the ride is me, Mark's co-host, Greg Alpern, music journalist, comedy podcast host, and 80s rock addict, and I'll help shape the conversation from a fan's perspective. Come with us for a decadent celebration of the decade that rocked. Today we're talking to Mark uh, as we just wrapped his exhibition and pay-per-view at the Monmouth Museum on uh, Mischief Night this October 30th. Um, and we have a very special guest today who is in a mask, will be revealed shortly. But while we're starting this off, you know, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Well, uh, yeah, I was here for a couple months and they basically gave me like carte blanche to like hang up my photographs. And I said, how about uh, it's a museum? Why don't I hang up some artifacts that I kept? And, and I kept quite a bit over the years uh, being uh, the Blizzard of Oz scarf in 1981 is displayed. And as we move on to uh, 1985, we have the, the infamous uh, come out and play manhole cover as well as uh some fingernails and mummy wrap that d came out with and uh and you know it's displaying my photographs we have the slippery one wet t-shirt that i cut up that didn't happen for the album and we have a zach wild guitar that he gave me for my 60th birthday that we redid live born to be zach wild who uh uh yeah so a lot of a lot of stuff here and then i have my dark room and i have a the setup where I shot the slippery cover. So it's a museum, gallery, extravaganza. My first portfolio, a lot of fun stuff. Wow. And uh, yeah, and D, D actually came on. Uh, I have had I had a handful of my, a lot, a lot of guests come on, talk about the times, uh, happy Halloween. It was a nice, it was a nice event. And uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in. And uh, actually I'd like to announce the next guest who was at the museum uh, virtually uh, and he's the one and only, and I'm not going to give the name out because uh, he's uh, has leftover Halloween. I think he passed out after Halloween with all the candy, <laughs> and he still has the mask on. So here he is. Typically, a man. You feel comfortable. <laughs> you got your whole, you got your Alice Cooper makeup on. So I figured I'd. You don't want to be like a complete idiot. So, uh, but uh, let me reveal myself. Hold on a second. Typically, a man who needs no introduction, um, yeah. taking the mask off. There he is. Shades on. How's my hair? How's my hair? Well down. There's a lot. Of people say, "What happened to your hair?" I said, "This a, It's still curly and crazy. I just a lot of product in here to keep it down. <laughs> uh, good to be here. Yes. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, what are we doing? We're talking about what? Mark's great career and book and all the wonderful things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's an, an incredible amount of stories, obviously, um, multiple ones that are extremely important to, to, I guess, both guys' careers that um, cross paths when Mark shot the amazing cover uh, for your album with the bone, Stay Hungry. Um, you know, me as a, as a teenager, when that album came out, I mean, I can't tell you what that meant to me and how many t-shirts I had with, with that on it and just everything that came with it as a kid that 
just grew up loving heavy metal and hard rock and you know it, it was just incredible so i'd love to know the story of how that whole thing came together between the two of you how you guys got together and made magic well as mark and i have it's it's funny this uh between mark's on screen right mark you're there as well during yeah. this conversation um but so many things about that session have revealed themselves uh, over the years and little bits and pieces and even now today i learn more new things about it and mark learns more new things about it i mean for you, you saw the finished product, the, right. you being the audience, and you know, and it seems like the perfect visual statement for the the band, the time, the title of the album, and all those things. Yet, getting there was not that easy, right. and it was a twenty-two hour photo shoot for starts. Yeah, for starters, well. and secondly, uh, what Mark said, I saw in your book, Mark, that you didn't realize that photo was really the beginning of the end of Twisted Sister. Me being on the cover and not the band was the first, was the, the decline of Twisted as a interpersonal relationships. Right. And started to create problems and distance between us. It set me up to become the face of the band as opposed to the band. And, um, and really it, it just, and, and, Mark just said he found out about that. And then here's something, Eddie, uh, I, I'm doing is a, I do a host a TV show. I, I voice a TV show called Breaking the Band for the Reels Network. It's about band breakups. Right. And uh, we're doing one on Twisted Sister. And on the show we talk about, I talk about how the photo session, um, my bass player and drummer was sabotaging most of the shots by not getting into it, picking their noses, giving the finger, turning away. Right, Mark? Yeah. Uh, they, they were ruining the, so many shots that our hand was forced to wind up taking a picture of just me for the cover. Eddie told me he ne didn't know what they were doing behind him. And I remember feeling bad because Eddie and JJ were really committed to looking good and the three of us. But when we looked at the photos, and I remember you, Mark, were going, it was your first time shooting a cover, so you weren't trying to be super pushy. You go, hey, come on, guys. Hey, look over here. And I really didn't know what was going on until I saw the photos, and I saw the middle fingers, the nose picking, the tongue sticking out, but not like Gene Simmons, like, you know, like stupid stuff, right. ruining so many shots. So the truth of that album cover and, and the, what it, the effect it had on the music scene, and, and, but ultimately on the band as a whole, uh, it's just starting to be found out and known by everybody. Wow. Yeah, I read that in Mark's book and, and I was surprised because, you know, I obviously as a fan would have no idea that that started, you know, the, what, you, what you just mentioned. But Mark, what do, you, what do you, you know, recall from that shoot and how the whole thing went down and, and what you did to get that amazing shot? Most of the work, it, it, I feel like if I can get them to the set, then they'll just fall into place. And I've seen them live and I thought they, they would feel comfortable in front, of this, in front of the camera. And the only one that really felt comfortable was JJ and D and Eddie a little bit, uh, but you know, Mark Mendoza and uh, AJ, you know, they were being goofballs and I never knew them. So I, I try to control them. I try not to, uh, like what I found out later was I didn't know a lot of times when bands play live, they're very aggressive on stage. And then when they're in a photo shoot, they're not, you know? Uh, and it's up to me to try to take it out. And when I, the little 
bit that I tried, I, like, I know I told thee to get a little bit, a little bit crazier, but he almost like, like he didn't hear me right. back to the image and the band because of the talk they must have had or uh, the feelings that was going on at the time because uh, D didn't want to steal the show. You know, he, not that he wanted to or didn't want to, he knew he had to be that guy, but uh, they were at a career, it was Atlantic Records, it was, there was a big push and he wanted to be a team player, which he was regardless, you know, he was always a team player, but. Well, I mean, just to interject, it, it was, I, I always felt restricted when I was with the band in whether it was an interview or whatever, I didn't want to take control at that point. <laughs> I changed my position. Uh, but at that point, I was still always trying to be respectful of everybody being there. Uh, but, you know, Mark, you know, Mark pushed me to let loose. And ultimately it was the, and this is the, the famous thing about the, about the shoot. We shot from 11, well, we arrived at 11 a.m. At 9 a.m. the next day, we wrapped. And right. as I was walking off the set, because we were shooting multiple sets, multiple setups, uh, multiple looks, and it was for the whole tour. It, we, we were hit down the road. This was our big push. And Mark, I said, I would say his middle name should be One More Roll. Because <laughs> we'd always say, One More Roll. You know, oh, man, One More Roll means uh, back when there was rolls of film, people, yep. 36 shots. Yep. And so I was walking off. Everybody else was already gone. And Mark said, D, One More Roll. And here it was, 11 in the, 9 in the morning. I was exhausted. But I said, and this was opportunity, people, you get opportunity. I said, okay, I'm going for it. Grab that stinky, smelly bone. And Mark and I rocked for 36 quick shots. And I don't know what number that shot was in the roll. Mark would probably know if he checked it out. But no. the last roll, one of the last shots, after 22 hours in the studio filming, that was the album cover shot. Right. That was the magic. That was the perfect shot. It was the iconic shot. It captured everything about the band, the title, the image, the message we wanted to send, that desperate animal, trapped animal feeling we had fighting our way to the top. And it was all because Mark said, hey, D, one more roll. And I had, <laughs> because I said, okay, <laughs> okay, one more roll. I didn't say, nah. So and the other guys like ran out of there because I like out of respect to the band. I said, "Does anyone want to do any individuals?" And they were like, "No, we're out of here." I'm like, "All right, D." And D's like, "Okay." So did you know once you took that that those those shots that that was going to be it, or was it just a, a few extra I, shots? I was I was a newbie when it came to this stuff. You turn all the photos in, you do a quick edit to get out the crap stuff, and then you you, you put it to the powers that be, and then right. and that's the last I knew about it. I, and then I didn't know really until D called me up and said, "Guess what?" And and I was, you know, I was like, "Wow, cool." And then when I saw the picture that they picked, and it was literally last it was number thirty six on the on the Chrome, by the way. Wow. And, and I, but understand that that there was a plan for a different album cover right. concept, and it was supposed to be the band, the back cover, where you see us in no makeup sitting around this sort of table with a bone in the middle, and we're like, and then the band was supposed to be superimposed in makeup and costumes behind us, like the dream. You know, we're struggling now, and here's the dream. But those shots weren't working out for a number of reasons. But one of them was 
they were very, there was no animation at all. Right. In the, remember, Mark? Like, yeah. everybody was just sort of standing there, like, a, what was this, Kriegsman shot? You know, remember Kriegsman, the guy who did all the famous, they just yeah. skipped. Yeah. No, there was no vibe in the shots. And then a lot of shots were ruined with fingers in the nose and, and stupidity going on. And so as we were going through the roles, we saw that that plan, that big plan shot, wasn't going to be the cover. And then we were like, now what? And as we went through, we came to shot 36 on the last roll of 36. Wow. Me in the corner, screaming my guts out, <laughs> uh, you know, for, in desperation. Probably because I just wanted to leave. Get me out of here! No more shots! Mark! And then did you did you pick it, D, or did it was it a, was it all you in the album and the record company, or how, how did it settle on that photo? No, I had to take control. I was always in control of the artistic, you know, the videos were my ideas. Uh, between my wife Suzette and me, the costumes, the direction, I wrote all the songs. So it was, I was really the artistic director for the band. But that was a really tough call, and one the band resented me for, and. Um, and caused problems ultimately down the line uh, to the, you know, killing the band ultimately for me to pick a picture of just me for the cover. Right. But when looking for a shot, you're gonna represent a band, it's either gotta be a shot that the whole band works or who represent a band better than the front man. The front, Alice Cooper's another case in point with that where you know the band can look great, but there's one person in the band who really captures the vibe of Alice Cooper, it's Alice. Yeah, and with Twisted Sister, it was me. Right. And um, it was the right shot. It was the ultimate shot. And, you know, today it's viewed as an iconic photo. But uh, for the band, I know if we took a vote, it never would happen. Wow. It wouldn't happen. I mean, there was almost, I mean, this I've been talking about in this, this uh, up and coming uh, Breaking the Band episode, uh, that there was literally a vote to take off the makeup. Mark Mendoza demanded, he wanted to take the makeup off in 1984. Wow. After 10 years of wearing makeup and costumes and fighting every night, he wanted, decided, he wanted to take the makeup off and demanded, it was a democracy that we have a vote. And it was a three to two vote in favor of keeping the makeup on. But wow. I couldn't believe after all the years, we were actually having this discussion, like why, because the makeup was always a problem for us, why not take it off five years ago when you, when you realize it's not working or is, you know, as far as getting a record deal. So it was a really tumultuous time for the band and uh, beginning of the end, quite honestly. Well, Mark, how'd you guys meet? Uh, actually, Dee doesn't remember this, but I, uh, I was friends with white tiger. There was like, they were actually in my book. Uh, they were the first heavy metal rock band that I did a photo shoot with in 1980. And I started shooting them in 78 and I was like their photographer. And I remember Neil brought me to the Fountain Casino. He goes, you got to, you know, I already started working for Circus. So he thought I was like, you know, he was showing me off. Like, you know, I got Circus Magazine photographer. Yeah, come on, meet the band. So he took me backstage at the Fountain Casino. Now these guys, right before the stage, it was easy to get back there because it was the Fountain Casino. It was a club, you know, there was no security. And, and you know, they knew Neil because he used to play there. They used to, they used to pack the clubs like Twisted back in the day. They just did covers, but they were, they were packing the places. So, we go back there and the guys are just warming up. They, they didn't know, they, they, they noticed we were there, but they didn't pay attention. They were warming up for the show and you, you know, that's how they were. And, and he's trying to introduce me to them and they pretty much said, get the fuck out of here, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so I left and we went in the back and I was watching the band and, uh, and then all of a sudden they played, uh, it's only rock and roll by Rolling Stones. And, uh, 
and then they stop the show and there's me and Neil leaning against the wall, not trying to be cool, just like hanging out because that's what we do, you know? You know, maybe Neil was trying to be cool, but me, look, I'm a photographer, I have insecurities, that's why I have a camera and that's why I have something in my hand all the time. I didn't have my camera and I'm not a headbanger. I love heavy metal music and rock and roll, but I just don't do it. And there's some people that don't, D, just so you know. <laughs> and you happen to pick on me that night and once you started picking on me, Neil like kind of left and left of me. Of course, Neil left. Of course, Neil left the kid. Left me. Left me in the um in the spotlight, and and I st still wouldn't do it. And then you know I, I think I gave you one just to because you wouldn't let me go, you know. And then moved to the back and watched the rest of the show, you know. And back in those days, I was obsessed with every single person getting into it, and and. To the point where I throw away entire shows. I would just not stop until I get every single person. But right. I realized a lot of people were doing it out of fear because, yeah. <laughs> because our audience was so rabid. They would turn and we'd start the, the FU chant going. And then people would be like, all right, all right, all right. I'll rock, I rock, I rock. <laughs> One of them, that was me. And there was like 3,000 yeah. people there, you know? But you weren't really winning their hearts. You were just sort of <laughs> bullying them into some sort of action. But I, yeah, I, I feel better now. I was, I was very, I, I was malleable adjusted back then <laughs> that's pretty funny so you know like the next you know i don't want to say the next big thing you guys did together but um you know mark did the prmrc with you right he took took him down to the, the senate hearings and he was there and documented that whole thing for you i imagine that was on purpose of course you invited him to go with you that turned into something so big and monumental to music like i what what did you think was coming out of that when you went down and testified and with Mark there to capture all of that? I'll, I'll get to that. I just want to back, just back up the uh, clock a little bit and say, so Mark does the album cover, the album comes out, it takes off. And Mark, we continue to work together uh, because that leads to the PMRC. Right. Uh, Mark would come out on the road. And at by this point, um, he's getting anger and hostility from band members because they're blaming him for the album cover. When actually all he did was take the pictures. The poor, poor Mark, I feel bad for you. But you know, he, photographers get abuse. Right. A lot of times they get abuse, especially if they're in your face and they keep pushing your first shot or whatever. But Mark knew that you don't, you don't back down. And uh, so there's many shots. I remember there's one poster, Mark, where you rigged something down a hallway before I went on stage with, you found like a fence with a, put a purple light behind it. I got in front of it uh, before, right before I went on stage. And that like became a big poster that, that was a, a huge popular. And it was just a, something you threw together. So again, credit to Marcus. I'm telling people this story because if you're out there and you have aspirations, you got to seize opportunities and you got to not, if you got to push back. Sometimes people are going to try and push you away and you got to just push forward. And Mark just kept moving forward. So when it came time to go to Washington to testify at the Senate hearings, I wanted it documented from my perspective. Right. And I reached out to who I viewed as not just the band photographer, but like the Osborne family, the Snyder family photographer as well, Mark Weiss. Right. Uh, he's photographed my family and me and Suzette and for years and years, decades now. And um, Mark flew down there to Washington with me and captured the whole event and I don't know, Mark, you know, I, I, I welcome your thoughts. I knew this was a big issue. It was in all the papers and everything like that. And it was a, 
big deal, and I prepared a lot for it to be ready for it. But still, when the plane landed, got in the limo, and we drove there and saw the maelstrom of media attention and the protests on both sides, like it was like, holy crap. Right. This the whole world is watching. And Mark, did you forget that feeling when you were there? It didn't hit me till we got there and reached Washington, D.C. I, I thought it was going to be like a, in a high school auditorium or something, you know. And, uh, you know, we get there and we had the limo and we, your father was there with us and Joe Gerber. Dad, Marty, Marty Caller, the video director, Marty, he yeah. was there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, first we went to the hotel and we just kind of congregated. You got that shirt. It said um, uh, censored that we had. And we did some photos in front of the, the you know, the White House and, uh, or not the White House, the- uh, Capitol yeah. Building. Capitol Building. And then we went there, you know, we just did our thing and just, he had his jeans on and he wore a t-shirt with my photo on it, which was really cool. And uh, we just, it was just like, like surreal, you know, it was like, we we're in a movie. Like we walked yeah. into a movie set, you know, there was these pickets people, people with the pickets, you know, holding the picket signs, these school kids, dressed up like a Catholic school kids and they have like these signs that someone made for them. But I don't think they made them. It's like, I think they gave it to them. It looked like it was a movie set, like the, the recreation. Yeah. Of it. it looked the same, you know, like these, and then they were walking back and forth. I took pictures of them. They were holding up a Motley Crue album. You know, I, I took it. They actually used that in the movie uh, about the- Morning Parental Advisory. Yeah. They, actually, yeah. they actually used, no, no. They used it in, um, uh, oh, The Dirt. And, and oh. they used that shot and they took out Motley Crue and they put the, the real, the actors in there in my photo. Oh, it, they did. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, then we went inside and then the lights were going and all the photographers and I would go in the back room and we went in with Frank in the back Senate room. We were going through all the senators uh, drawers and pulling, <laughs> stuff, pulling stuff out. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, Frank, come on, let's, let's take the photos, you know? And Frank had his own labels that he made. And there was, you know, he had these labels and we posed with that. And, and then we went out and no one skipped a beat. Everyone just like nailed it, you know? And the but when you watch these things on TV, it's it, being there is a lot different. I mean, this was a huge media event. Uh, they call you know, one of the senators said it's a circus. They've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And you're in there and when you're testifying, there is a, a, a phalanx of packed in front of you between the senators who are up high yep. and you're down low, photographers and press people. So you, don't, you don't see that usually. That angle and Mark was right in there with all, the only, as he says, the only long hair in the bunch. But it, it, it's like packed down there on the floor and you got yourself in there. So it must have been a unique experience, very different than from a rock concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. I just remember as a, you know, I think I was 15 or so at the time. And, you know, luckily I had two very cool parents who were into music and didn't give me crap about anything I'd listened to. And I just remember like being like how cool it was to see, you know, D there in, in you know, his rock and roll outfit talking to the freaking Congress about the music that I'm going to the record store tomorrow to buy trying to get the people off our ass. You know what I mean? And it was just it was really awesome as a fan to, to, to see all that happen. And still to this day, it's very meaningful, you know. Um, what, what do you think makes Mark's style and picture, like what makes him so great at what he does? Because you look through that book and it's hundreds of pages of some of the most iconic pictures. And then even the ones that aren't iconic, they're just amazing badass pictures, whether they were albums or live shots or whatever they were. He, he has such a great, 
I, but like, is there something as a musician who's the subject of those pictures and him taking, you know, your images, like that makes him stand out from others or just makes him so great at what he does? I think Mark uh, was always looking around for some situation or something in the environment that he could pull together because you can't drag props with you on the road, especially on the road, Mark. You know, like uh, you, you bring your camera and that's and lights, that's, that's a big enough deal to bring. You can't actually bring, say, a wall or a prop to use or whatever. But Mark was always quick to source out what would be an interesting back, backdrop for a shot. And then wrangle, which is, you know, and wrang it's like wrangling, wrangling rock band is like, like herding kittens. <laughs> I mean, you're trying to get one in there and the other one's wandering off. And, you know, they're not very cooperative. And half the time they're high. Or the last thing they want to do is take a picture, which is stupid. I was always ready to take a picture. Right. I knew that the more pictures out there, the better the chance, you know, the more exposure is going to get. But like I, I was mentioning that one shot when I come walking down to go on stage and Mark goes, D, quick shot, quick roll, one <laughs> roll. All right. And he had found that. I, I don't know what it was. It was just some sort of a straight, it was straight lines. It was a piece of fence or railing or something. And he had all set it up. He put a piece of cloth in the background, a purple light behind me. And I'm walking on stage, I'm all made up, I'm ready to go. I'm like, all right, one roll. And I get in front of it, but, and it made a very special shot. So well, this well. is Mark just scavenging to create something, a moment, to create a moment. Right. I, I, I consider myself a scrapper. And that's what I do. I, 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 as soon as I get to a gig at Soundcheck, I, I don't go for the food. I go for the props. I go for like scrap and just try to pull stuff out. I ask where the basement is. I try to find a dungy thing and, and just create something out of it because with the right lighting and, and the right, uh, you know, attitude from the band. And, and that's what I did. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like glad that, that you actually recognize that because I don't think anyone else really did know what I was doing, but you actually like gave me give me credit for doing it. I do give you credit for it. it. Well, didn't George Lynch say in your book was the first time anybody ever used a backlight on us? Yeah. Is that George who said that? Like, and, and I was looking at the shot, and, and you had, it was a simple thing, but it was so effective. You know what I mean? You can get when you're in an arena, uh, they all look the same. It's all cinder block walls backstage. It's it, you know, so you've got to every shot's going to look like everybody else's shot unless you figure out a way to make it special and mark. Would uh, he goes with a scrapper? I say he's a scavenger. It's same deal. Yeah. Find find something, prop something that's going to make the shot special. Right. So, Mark, sim similar question to you about about D and Twisted Sister. Like, you know, obviously, you know, they're they're a very visual band on stage. You know, in in uh, photo shoots. But like, what made them such a great subject for you to to bring out the best in you? Well, it's like everyone had their own personality, you know, it was like the Beatles, like Kiss, like Twisted Sister. It's like, you know, five personas and, and they all like are different. And, and for me as a photographer, it's like a field day. Uh, you know, yeah, a couple, few of them I had to work a little harder, but you know, at the end of the day, I got great images of all, all of those guys. And the more I shot them, the more fun we had. I mean, we, we weren't all like, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was a little bit of animosity. I didn't know why. I got a lot of hand, a lot of backslaps from Mendoza. I thought he liked me, and that's why he hit me all the time. Hey, dude, he he went to your wedding. I was shocked <laughs> to see it was at your wedding. So I would go. He would like talk crap about you. 
I was like, you were at his wedding. What are you talking? I was at your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was at my wedding. Yeah, friends, friends. Yeah, so it, it's just it it's just it's like a puzzle. It's five five yeah. pieces of the puzzle, and, and Twisted Sister had five solid pieces that fit together perfectly. And I was just there to to keep them together for a photo and and just put them where I thought fit and. You know, it, it worked out. It, yeah, I mean, you guys definitely shared a lot of magic together. That's for sure. You know, on the opposite sides. So, D, what what's going on with you these days? You know, besides, you know, the the obviously you mentioned the TV show you're doing and uh, the um, you know, House of Hair. Yeah. Like, what, what else is going on with you? Being the um, the, uh, the I don't know how well known it is, but you know that I was not a partier. No drugs. No alcohol. No nothing. I'm the most boring rock star in the world. All those years, I would sit in the dressing rooms and sit in the and backstage working on writing screenplays. Right. Um, ask you about that. Learning the craft of writing. And it is a craft. And like photography or anything you do, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to be a writer now. Well, you know, I'm going to be a, you've got to perfect the craft. Sure. And I've been putting years of work into that and I made strange land and I've sold things, but now I'm really after decades hitting my stride and I'm going to be directing a movie I wrote called my enemy's enemy. I was supposed to direct it in May, but COVID pushed it back to next year. Um, I've been hired to write, to reimagine a classic eighties horror film. I can't say which one, but uh, I'm, I'm writing that uh, right now. I just finished my first fictional novel. So I'm doing a lot of writing. Um, I do radio, I do voiceover, uh, but I am going back in the studio right now. We're in the writing process for a follow-up album to my solo record for the love of metal uh, for next year. Um, touring, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just had some uh, surgical work done and my shoulders are feeling a lot better. So we'll see what happens. The horns, I can still throw horns, but uh, I'm going to be doing another record. That's for sure. Right. Uh, but, but writing and directing is something I want to get into. I really want to get out. I don't want to be in front of the camera. You know, I'm not getting any younger, but as you know, I can always be creative behind the camera and behind the keyboard. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I saw you in Rock of Ages when you had that run. Yes. Um, that was awesome. I mean, it really was, it was an awesome play, you know, and you, I, I mean, I went just because you were in it, to be honest. I appreciate it. Uh, and, and that was one of the great experiences of my life right. being on Broadway, uh, something I never expected to do. And that's important to me is trying new things and exciting things. And that was new and exciting, you know? Right. Any, any, anything? Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say, and one thing that me and Dee, I mean, you know, we spent the eighties, you know, great times, the 90s came when they were on their down down and outs. I think Dee was, you know, delivering papers and with the kids. It and, was bad. And, and yeah. you know, I remember Suzette calling me saying, hey, can you photograph Jesse? You know, maybe we'll be a model or something, you know. Uh, so he came down to my house. They didn't have they didn't have money to, to me rent a studio out. We did it in my house, you know. And uh, Mark's, always, Mark's always been a team player, that's for sure. Yeah. So and then going forward, you know, we've never lost touch. You know, maybe, you know, Widowmaker, we might have a year or two here or there, you know, maybe we, we lost touch. But then when uh, he, he did Rock of Ages, he called me up to the show and I watched it. I was like, oh, this is great. Every, every band that's performed, every song I shot. Yeah. Can, can you introduce me to the producer? And uh, maybe I can have a gallery around the Helen, you know, and they were just moving theaters to the Helen Hayes Theater. So it was right. perfect timing. And I, I met the, one of the producers, and, and they they went above, uh, you know, through the board, and 
and I didn't want to, I wasn't going to charge him. I just wanted to hang up my can. So throughout the whole Helen Ace Theater, it was all Mark Weiss photographs for like years until they oh, closed wow. down. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They, I made that connection for Mark and, and they loved it, but it was, it was a natural connection. You got a show about the eighties. Right. What better to have around the theater for intermission and what have you than just these great iconic classic photos. Like you said, of all the bands whose music was being featured in the show. So that was a, a great, that was a great thing too that we did together. So over the years, Mark and I have always, you know, we've, we've been in step and like now I'm, I've, I'm happy to support him on this a decade the rock venture uh, because it really what a great title too by the way mark just it Thank really you. is uh you know it really it really was a decade that needs to be remembered and documented and and uh, mark has all the documentation you need yeah sure does i couldn't couldn't pick a better person better better canvas if you will um and certainly the the work is incredible um so listen, I just want to say thank you very much. This is an awesome highlight for me. I've been a lifelong fan um, you know, of everything. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for that. Thanks for the support and belief. Oh, and I should mention, this summer I released a live album, CD, DVD, Blu-ray, uh, called For the Love of Metal Live. Uh, it was filmed last summer. Uh, I, I had the foresight. I, my my uh, managers think I'm Nostradamus because I told <laughs> them I will not be performing in 2020. I wasn't a prophecy, I didn't know anything. I just wanted to take the year off. Uh, so, uh, but we did a live album, we shot in nine different countries around the world. And some, some with my new band, uh, some of the best from Twisted with the best of my new stuff, some Widowmaker in there. And it really, uh, it really captures, one of the things I was trying to capture was the fact that as different as we are, we think we are, whether it's politically or um, different countries are different or whatever, music connects us all, especially yeah. the heavy metal community. Sure. And, and, and in the song, we cut from, um, and we're not gonna tell you, we cut from Sweden with the whitest white people down to South America. Uh, I think I'm in Argentina with the brownest brown people. Wow. And they're all smiling ear to ear, all throwing horns, all wearing rock t-shirts and jeans and singing, we're not gonna take it. And as different as we might think we are, we are all joined through art. Yeah, and that includes Mark's work. I mean, sure does. art is the common denominator for everybody. We can share the love of an of art, and we realize that if we can share that, we can share a lot more. Like I said, I believe we have a lot more in common than people realize. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Mark, anything before we split? No, just that this has probably been one of my most favorite uh, sittings with you, uh, with with our podcast that we started a couple months ago, and. Uh, you know, D just gave me a lot of memories uh, that I'll never forget. And uh, I credit him to my success in, in, in a way, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I would have kept knocking on the doors and got that final album cover somehow. But listen, it lined up right. D was there just like when I got my first camera. I, I didn't mow that guy's lawn because he didn't mow it for a week and knock on the door and say, D needs his lawn mowed. And he says, I do it myself. And smart ass kid, like 12 year old go, well, it doesn't look like it. And then he gave me a camera for the summer. These are the opportunities that you have to take, you know, like if there's a door open, like bang it down, man. until they, they shut, they shut your face. One of yeah. the reasons why I've had success is I don't, I don't, I don't want the answer no. And, yeah. and publicists and managers, they, they give you no. And, and sometimes you gotta be politically correct. And I still am when I have to be. But I want the artist. I want D. Snyder to tell me he doesn't want me my face around. When he tells me he doesn't want me around, I'm not going to call 
his other band members, hey, how come these, this, that? You know, if D doesn't want me around, I'm not going to call his manager again. I'm not around. And that's all I want. I want the finals. I want the, the, the you know, the horse's mouth. I want it from the horse's mouth. And, hey, I didn't, I didn't continue every single relationship. Uh, Glenn Danzig, hi. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but most of them I did, you know, and I pride myself in that till this day. And that's that, you know. And D's oh, you know, I, and we've talked about this before, but, I mean, people listening, you know, it, it, Marcus perseveres, as I did as well. Don't take no for an answer. Don't blink. If you get an opportunity, I would say, say yes and figure it out later. I yeah. say, can you do that? Yeah. Mark said, yeah, I could shoot, I could shoot us to a set. Good dad, can you build me a, a tenement? You know, right? You do whatever you got to do. And, and that's a great lesson to learn. And, and, and a testament to you reading in your book. Again, um, I didn't know the history of the Skid Row situation with the photo shoot. And then they got somebody else to photo for you. And you just refused to accept that somebody else was going to photograph the band that you had worked with from the start and uh, pushed and pushed and pushed till they let you shoot it. Said, I can do a shot, a shot like that. It was very impressive. You know, Sebastian, after he, you know, when I got the book to Sebastian, he said, he said he didn't put it down. He just went right through it. And he didn't, when he got to the Skid Row, that story that you just mentioned, he didn't even know about that, you know? I mean, here I, I introduced basically to the band, if it wasn't for my wedding and, you know, introductions through Dave Feld, it, there wouldn't be a Skid Row with Sebastian in it. And, and I, I never took that for granted. I didn't say that's why you have to use me, but I was hurt when I found out that they, I didn't even think I had to ask if I was gonna do the album because I already did Slippery One Wet. I already did Night Songs. Every album cover I did, Britney Fox even went gold. I did it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like every album cover I touched went to gold. I mean, call me your good luck charm or something, but, uh, you know, and then when they, they shot this without me even knowing, and, and the band didn't, they were just, you know, new band, they want to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, maybe they could have said, hey, Mark, uh, we're doing this shoot. You know, maybe it didn't happen, whatever reason they were recording, you know. I, listen, at the end of the day, I'm still just the photographer. They're the band, they got, they have their dreams that they want to do. I wouldn't blame them if they, if they, they I don't blame them even for what, everything that happened happens for a reason. And you just got to, you know, like Dee said, you read the book, you can see how adamant I was to at least give me a chance. Let me, even if I'm not going to get paid, you know, let's, you know, give me it. And, and fans stood up for me too, at the end right. of the day, they, they actually put the time in the extra time. It was one of those shoots again, by the way, D. it was that's that set. That was a built set in Red Bank, New Jersey, where I did the slippery cover, you know, that, that alley, that wasn't a real alley. That was wow. Just, yeah. So um, I did that at my friend, Danny Sanchez's and, uh, and, it was exactly the way it should have been, you know, and, you know, politics, you know, whatever. And we, you know, we could talk for hours on this and, and you, we don't, you know, I, I just made me think of the back cover for Come Out and Play. You remember, we hired the professional graffiti artist to paint the wall in the building and it almost caused a turf war yeah. In, yeah. In, uh, in, in New York City because they were from other neighborhoods. And so we had to hire security to protect the building. We had to have like a war council between oh. these graffiti artists from different communities who were going to war because Twisted, we actually painted the side of a building for the come out and play back cover. And that lasted one day. They let it stay up for one day. We took the shot and then it was painted over the next day. That was it. Crazy, crazy stuff, man. Hey, it was great talking to you guys. Mark, good luck with the book. Thank you for having me on. And um, until next time.